I can remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, I was about 12 years old, and I lived in Victoria. We had a phenomenal spot there on a lake called Langford Lake, which is really in Langford, but we like to call it Victoria. And I remember the day when everything changed in our community. Uh, Our houses were at the far end of the lake, and to get there, you had to go down this really steep hill with a really sharp corner, and it was a tree-lined hill. There was uh, no way you could see around the corner. It was a great place to ride your bicycle as a 12-year-old. And all of the parents in our community uh, had the same agreement that none of the kids were to ride their bikes in that area. And I remember one day when all you heard was the screeching of tires and the clash of metal. It was the day one of my friends, a young girl of about 12 years old, decided to not heed her father's counsel. And she rode her bike at the bottom of the hill. A car came down the hill full force, like usually happened, and came around the corner and and drifted a bit as he saw his sister on the road. And he smashed into his sister, and she was instantly killed. The reason I remember that so well is because it was also my first funeral. My parents told me I couldn't go, but I snuck out anyways because I was curious. On my little bicycle, I rode to the church and participated in the funeral. This is the death of my friend. And then I rode to the graveside and watched as they carried the hearse to the grave site. The reason it sticks in my head beyond anything else is because I watched as her mother and father stood beside the casket. And in overwhelming grief, her father threw himself on the coffin and cried out, Why didn't you listen to me? Had you simply listened, this never would have happened. And he just repeated that phrase over and over and over again. That was my first funeral experience. This morning I've been asked to share a passage with you which reflects that kind of heart. I want to share with you from Luke chapter 19, verses 41 to 44, and I'll read it, and then I'll just offer three quick observations on this Good Friday. Luke 19, 41 to 44. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that even you had known on this day the things that would make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side. And tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. They will not leave one stone upon another in you, because you did not know the time of your visitation. There's three things I discover in this passage, and it's the most amazing thing. it's, It's found in the Palm Sunday narrative, as Jesus is heading to Jerusalem. At a time that should have been full of celebration, 
when the people around him were crying out, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. When cloaks were being thrown before him and palm branches laid before him in his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And in that moment, the Pharisees say, tell your people to be quiet. And Jesus says, if they're quiet, even the stones will cry out. This is Jesus at the pinnacle of his ministry, a time when it should have been full of rejoicing and celebration, and yet for him, it was a time of great sorrow. Because as he saw the city, he began to weep. Uh, that's a picture of Jerusalem that I took about four years ago from the Mount of Olives. Uh, all these are graves that lead down the Kidron Valley and back up to uh, the gates of the city, the walls of the city. This is roughly what Jesus would have seen as he was riding into Jerusalem. The entire landscape of the city of peace, Jerusalem, Shalom. This is the city where God has manifested his presence for all ages to the people of Israel. It's the place where Abram brought Isaac to be sacrificed and God provided a lamb. It's the place where God's glory fell when Solomon built the temple. It's the place where God had been sending prophets to urge people to come back into relationship with him because pending doom was going to occur apart from that. And what I discover here in this passage, as Jesus looks at the city, is the heart of the king. Listen to these words again. And he drew near the city, drew near, and when he saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that even you had known on this day the things that made for peace. Jesus, in this very moment, as he is moving towards the cross, as he knows that his mission is about to be accomplished, reveals the very heart of God to us. At the precipice of his crucifixion, as he's entering Jerusalem, Jesus is overcome with grief. Not at what lies ahead. This isn't grief over the cross. It's grief that results when the way of peace or the prince of peace is rejected. When he drew near to the city, he saw the city and he wept over it. Jesus wept over it. It's an amazing statement. The, the word wept literally means to wail or lament or to express grief in a bodily way. This is no gentle tear. This is no little sob. This is no, uh, you know... Uh, tiny act of remorse. Jesus is overcome with grief. When everyone around is, is shouting Hosanna, Jesus is crying over the city. At the cusp of his execution, his heart is moved, not for his situation, but it's moved for those who have missed the hour of his visitation. It's moved for those who have missed the opportunity to have peace with God. Not momentary peace, but eternal peace that lasts when we accept what Jesus has done for us. And it's the most amazing thing. In all of human history and in every religious tradition, there is no, not one indication that gods have ever wept for their creation. 
And yet here, Jesus reveals the heart of the Father. He reveals the heart of the Spirit. He reveals his heart as he weeps over creation. As on this Good Friday, it's important for us to know that he continues to weep for the lost. Jesus' heart remains the same for his people now. It was his heart for those of us who have come to accept him before we knew him. He sought us out. It remains his heart for those who don't know him and the resulting gift of eternal peace that comes through him. See, Jesus is moved to tears, crocodile tears, heavy, heaving, sorrowful tears in the face of the fact that people have failed to understand that salvation comes only through him. And he weeps. It's, it's intended to be a heart that's echoed in those of us who know him. Good Friday is a day when believers remember that Jesus paid for our sin. We just sang that. Jesus paid it all. Good Friday is a day when we recognize that the punishment that was on him has brought us peace. That's what Isaiah 53, 5 says. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him, that punishment that brought us, was, sorry, upon him was the punishment that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. It ought to also be a day that we remember that Jesus is moved with compassion and grief for those who continue to not understand the day of his visitation, the gift that he's given in salvation. I find myself asking, do I identify with the heart of Jesus for the lost in the same way? Or am I stone cold in my heart? It's a good question. Well, you have to ask the question, why would Jesus be moved to tears like that? What was the reason for it? Here's what he goes on to say in verse 30, 43 to 44. For the day will come when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you. Now, this is a prophetic word that Jesus is giving. See, Jesus knows that rejection of him as God and Messiah and Savior results in the antithesis of peace. It leads to total destruction. In this context, the total destruction of the city of peace, Jerusalem. Jesus is talking about an event that will happen in 70 AD when Titus, a Roman general, will come and lay siege to Jerusalem. He lays waste to the city. The Jewish historian Josephus writes this about what the siege was like. Titus gave his soldiers orders to set the suburbs on fire. So all the surrounding houses around the city were set on fire. So all hope of escape was cut off. And liberty was taken away. Then, as people moved into the walls of the city to escape the fire that had been set, famine widened its progress and devoured the people by whole households and families. 
Upper rooms were full of women and children that were dying by famine. And the lanes of the cities were full of dead bodies. Now the Jews at first gave orders that the dead should be buried out of the public treasury as they could not endure the stench of all the bodies. But afterwards, when there was no more money, they could not do that, and they cast the bodies down from the walls into the valleys beneath the city. Breaking into the temple, they set it on fire, and they plundered everything that came to hand. And 10,000 of those who were caught were slain, And there was no commiseration of any age or any reverence of gravity, but children and old men and profane persons and priests were all slain in the same manner. So that this war went round all sorts of men and brought them to destruction. That was what Jesus was talking about when he wept over the city that there was a day of destruction that would come because they had rejected him. It's no wonder he weeps with that kind of prophetic vision. But I think Jesus also has a greater day of destruction in mind when he weeps. Because his mission wasn't just to redeem a city, it was to redeem a world. See, a day of destruction fueled his mission A time when all of humanity must account for their sin, for their rebellion, and their rejection of God. And while it's not popular to discuss the day of destruction, Scripture teaches that a day of judgment is coming. A judgment that will take effect on all humanity outside of a relationship with Jesus. Matthew records Jesus saying this, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne, and before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate the people from one to another as a shepherd separates his sheep from the goat. And he'll place the sheep on his right side and the goats on his left, and then the king will say to those who are on his right side, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And he'll say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. There's a day of destruction coming. John in Revelation frames it this way, Revelation verse 20. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were opened. Then another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. It is the second death, the lake of fire. And anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. This is why Jesus is weeping. There is a day coming when those who do not know him will face the destruction that is theirs because they have rejected God. There is a day coming, a great and terrible day, when all will be judged in relationship to how they, we, you and me, respond to Jesus. 
For those that recognize him as the Prince of Peace and as Savior and King and Lord, we're invited into the peace that is ours through his righteousness. Peace that comes because he paid the price for our sin. That's why we call it Good Friday. For those who reject him as Prince of Peace, as Savior, as Lord, and as King, they're released into the consequences of their rejection. And they're led to the day of destruction, of judgment and eternal death. But there's a third thing I discover in this passage. See, Jesus doesn't leave it with the day of destruction. He uses this phrase here that says, because you did not know the time of your visitation. And I want to just talk for a couple moments about the hour of visitation. The hour of visitation. See, Good Friday is a day that we remember the hour of God's visitation. Not with wrath. God doesn't come with wrath. He comes with salvation. He doesn't come to wipe us out, but to effect redemption. The visitation of Jesus, the king, into Jerusalem marks the final leg of his earthly mission, and he sets his face towards the cross. His arrest, his trial, his crucifixion, his death evokes God's eternal plan. A plan to pour out on him all the wrath that we deserve. To pay the price for our sin. See, Good Friday is a day of visitation when God's wrath was poured out on Jesus. The punishment of our sin was placed on him. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, God made him who had no sin, Jesus, to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. Isn't that amazing? Isaiah 53 frames it this way. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. We esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned each one to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Isn't that amazing? This is the day of the appearing of Jesus. And because Jesus rode into Jerusalem, full of the Father's love, a heart that was devastated by, by what would happen to those who would ignore him, who would reject him, because he allowed himself to be arrested and face a, a mock trial and beaten and crucified and to die. The day of destruction is averted for those who will trust in him. The Prince of Peace, God's gift of salvation, offers the day of his appearing or his visitation once again. See, Good Friday, this day that we celebrate, is a day of visitation. A day of visitation of God's grace. Jesus continues to offer peace with God through the cross. He provides us with forgiveness and eternal life. 
Jesus offers us an exchange of our guilt for his glory through and because of the work of the cross. We're called to remember God's visitation in the lives of believers. That's why it's Good Friday. Today's a day of celebration, even though we feel the weight of our sin. But it's also intended to be a day of visitation where we give ourselves to helping others discover the wonder of the king who entered Jerusalem, not in a haphazard manner, but with the determination to face the cross and cover our sin with his blood. What I discover on this Good Friday is that the heart of the king is broken for the lost. We do well to have that kind of heart as well. That there is a day of destruction that is coming. Matter of fact, look at the world apart from Jesus and see the rampant destruction. And yet another day is coming as well, which will be total destruction apart from faith in our Savior. And the hour of visitation is now. For those of us who believe, a, a joyous celebration that we are spotless before the King and an opportunity to become agents of grace and mercy as we proclaim what Jesus has done for us and allow the Spirit of God to work in the hearts of those he is calling into his kingdom. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for your word. It's an amazing thing to me that in this passage, you very much reflected the heart of that father so many years ago in my life who said, if you had just listened to me, this could have been averted. Jesus, thank you that you didn't come with wrath, that you didn't come in judgment, but that you came to die. That you came to pay the penalty of my sin and the sins of the world. And that, Lord, because you came, the day of destruction has been averted for those who will put their faith in you. And we recognize today is a day of visitation, Lord. You've visited us again, and you've called us to find our, our sufficiency in you and your sacrifice. And Lord, I pray for people who may not know you that are here today, that today would be the day of visitation for them, and that they would put their trust in you, the God who loves them to the point of tears, and who laid down his life. Jesus, you laid down your life so that we might find eternal life in you. Thank you for the gift you've given us in Good Friday. It's in your name we pray. Amen.